Good morning. Good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Everybody good? Wonderful. It's nice to be with you. I'm here every week, but it's nice to be bringing the word with you this morning. Um, if you don't know me, I am uh, Dustin Wharton, and I was your youth pastor. Um, now I'm kind of doing a little bit different, like associate pastor type worship pastor, but I'm thankful for the opportunity to bring the word. Um, pastor Tim, have fun on your ba- uh, your birthday trip. He's going to see the Steelers and Bengals play. So, yeah, so have fun on your trip. He's probably listening in right now. So we bless you, man. And uh, thank you for believing in me and giving me this opportunity. So we've been talking real church stuff. Been talking... Aside from our preconceived ideas about what we think and believe about church, right? We, we bring in these preconceived ideas, maybe the way that you were raised, what your experience is like, what your denomination was like when you were raised. And we want to essentially, I, I've said this before, but almost do like a men in black, erase some of those things. And let's read the word for what it says about us and what we're supposed to be, who we are supposed to be completely in the right context of these words that specifically Apostle Paul writes, but that Jesus emphasizes and that as you heard the prophet Isaiah also talk about what it was gonna look like in the new covenant. And today I wanna ask this question in, in the message, the Real Church series, what are we full of? What are we full of? You're full of. <laughs> Go ahead. What, <laughs> what is the last thing your wife said you were full of? <laughs> there is where we'll start. <laughs> you're full of God. Dustin, you're just. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's our last conversation was that. So here we go. <laughs> What are we full of? What is the church full of? Here's what, I believe that like never before we need to be a church of his presence. Like never before. His presence is the hope of the world, the differentiating factor, the hope of renewal and life and wholeness and recovery and refreshing his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. This is our hope. Church, what are we full of? That church is full of, ah, that church is full of baloney. No, we, we, we want to be what God wants us to be full of. So if we turn and open our Bibles to Ephesians 3, this is where we're going to start. What are we full of? I like the pages turning. If you got your Excalibur, your Word, U version's great, and Tim Skiles puts the slides on U version, that's awesome. But there is nothing like a little coffee on the, the words of Scripture and, and moving and going. And there's nothing like it, man. There's nothing like opening up the Word of God in the morning, evening, and, and, and night. There's nothing like the Word of God, which is alive and active and sharper than any double edged sword. Come on, somebody. That's right. There's nothing like it. If you're a young person wondering the direction for your life, open up the red letters and let it speak to you. It's living, it's alive, and it's active. So we open up to Ephesians 3. 
Verse 14, this is where we'll start. We'll read together. Everybody good? Good. This is call and response, right? So I need this. I need you. This is a dialogue, okay? Here we go. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, where out of God's glorious riches, he's pulling from this reservoir, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people, together with all the Lord's people, no lone rangers out there, together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now tune your ears up. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. To know this is, this is a knowing beyond, this is like an intimate knowing. A beyond your knowledge, your brain. That you may be filled, everybody say filled. To the measure of what? All the fullness of God. Whoa, we serve a limitless God, a God that breathed the stars into existence, a God that measures the universe by the palm of his hand. This is the God that we serve and he spoke everything into existence. Nothing came that he did not have his hands on or his voice on and this is the God that we're supposed to be full of, full of this God. So we look and we ask the question again, what are we full of? Man, well, what am I supposed to be full of? But why would he pray this if this isn't possible? That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This word fullness is pleroma, fulfilling, complete, completeness, abundance, continually filling, that you may be filled to the measure of all the completeness of God. So if we want to look at God, if we're full of God, and, and, and what does that look like? Let's look at what God is full of, right? So let's turn, put a note Put something in Ephesians and then go to John 1. And we'll look, we'll try to get an understanding, all the fullness of God. Like I can't even begin to start, where do I even begin, right? When you talk about all the fullness of God. So what are we full of? We're supposed to be full of God, but what is God full of? Let's go to John chapter 1, talking about our, our main man, Jesus. <laughs> John 1 verse 14 is where we'll start. The word, are we there? Say, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> We're there. All right. The word became flesh. The logos became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of, everyone say it. <laughs> full of Grace and truth. Have you ever heard this before? Full of grace and truth. 
Verse 15, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Verse 16, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. What is God full of? Come on, a little louder. What is God full of? Grace and truth. And I think this is so important when we're talking about how to represent God well on the earth. We must understand what God is like and what should be coming out of our lives. Our lives out of the overflow of our hearts should be grace and truth. In essence, it should be the same as the way Jesus was. I don't know about you, but when I read Jesus in the red letters, man, I just get, he is just so awesome. Do you read them? Like his answers are not my answers. Like the stuff that he says, I just, it's just not me. I'd be real mad and frustrated and impulsive and everything else. The way Jesus was, just calm, cool, and collective, and composed, and he just loved people, and he reached for the outcast, and, and he spoke to people that, that maybe we would overlook. The way that Jesus was was just so different, but the only way I can describe it is the way John described it, that Jesus was full of grace and truth. And the more that I studied, the more that I realized that it wasn't so much a, a relationship or a balance, like there's some truth and then we need a little bit more grace. No, it, it was fully grace and truth. It was 100% grace and truth. They were inseparable to God. So when we talk about living a Christian faith, so I, I wanna give some truth here and there, but make sure you don't give too much truth because then you gotta give a little bit of grace. Or when you do, do all grace, you know, and the, but make sure you don't give a little bit of too much grace because then you got to bring some truth. No, it, no, it was, it was the fullness, the fullness of Jesus is grace and truth. And this is, this is so powerful and it's important for us to understand because to represent God well, we must understand what he's like. Must understand what he is. I, I can't represent someone that I don't understand who they are and, and what they're like. And this is so important because we have a lot of different ideas about what God is like. Plenty of theories on how God would act in this situation or that, what he would do, what he would say. But I want us now and furthermore to compare those thoughts with the idea that everything God does is based on or has the backdrop of the context of being full of grace and truth. And this is how we make our decisions. This is how we talk. This is how we answer people. This is how we respond. Full of grace and truth. So to begin, let's pray. And we're gonna get farther. God's gonna speak to you today. I, I, want, I want you to just, just go. I, I don't want you to be waiting for God to say something. I want you to be ready to take. You know what I mean? Like, like don't just sit back and just be passive and like, I hope Dustin speaks something amazing or yells at me or does something and then I get a word. No, like, like as I'm speaking, I'm believing, I'm believing for the Holy Spirit to speak through me. And so as I'm speaking, be ready to grab the seeds, man. Be ready to take hold of what God is saying. He who has ears, that's why Jesus said it. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Let him hear. 
Oh, here I go. Here I go. I'm a melting pot in the Lord's presence. I can't help it. You got to hear. You got to hear the Lord. What he wants to say to you today, he could just change your life. Holy Spirit, I know, you know that we are bound by time. As we sit here, we are in a time continuum and it keeps going. But you are outside of time. Time is where we find ourselves. So Lord, I I want to wait on you. And I want to listen. I don't want to use my my limited ability to understand you or go along with the things that you're doing. I, I, I want to take a step back and I want to just, guys, let's just take a second and listen for the Lord. Grace and truth, what are we full of? What does this mean for us as a church, as a body, as a family, as an army, as a bride, uh, to be full of grace and truth? I think individually, but I also think collectively. Both, both. What are you as an individual full of, but also what are we as a church? When people look at the LOH family, what are we full of? Lord, would you speak to us in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. So, of course, every time I preach, I talk about my kids. Do you mind that? I talk about my kids. My kids are amazing. Duke's playing soccer now. He's three years old and I'm the coach. Never played an ounce of soccer in my life, guys. <laughs> but, but I'm a good motivator. And I, but they're four, you know, and three. And I'm like, come on, guys. Come on, let's do it. And Oh, man, it's, it's great, though. It's a good time. Sarah, it's a good time, isn't it? <laughs> no, some of the girls are like holding hands and sitting down and stuff. But don't blame me. I do my best. So I have a three-year-old, he's, he's Duke, uh, Duke Solomon Wharton, and then I have a one-year-old daughter. Yesterday was National Daughters Day, I heard, so that's awesome. Bless all the daughters of the Lord. Uh, she is Dakota Dove, Dakota Dove Wharton, and then we have a beautiful baby boy coming, and then that's it. So don't ask me any more questions. If I'm competing with my brother, this is it. So stop it. Stop putting that in our heads. God has a sense of humor, but uh, you just know, no. It's not happening. Know how it works? So it's not happening. Anyways. <laughs> Tyler, that's another conversation though. And he's not here to defend himself, so I, I, should, I should, should watch my mouth a little bit. But I, uh, you know, I love raising kids. It changes your life, doesn't it? I'm sure, you know, some people, if you haven't experienced it, you know, uh, spiritually speaking, maybe you've raised some sons or daughters or whatever. There's nothing like raising kids and it challenges you, it stretches you. I think the first kid is the most stretching. Is that true? Because when you're married and you just have like so much freedom and then you like have a kid and you're like, I can't just lay down for bed. I actually have to like change a diaper first and put another kid to bed. And I do, I do it all sometimes. 
<laughs> last time I got in trouble because I was like, Chantel's cleaning up and yeah, she's cleaning up most of the time. Sorry, babe. Um, <laughs> anyways, when I'm a parent, I, like, I, I guess I'm a pastor, an overthinker, but I really want to be Christ-like in the way that I parent, right? I want to be Christ-like in the way that I'm a spouse. I want to be like Jesus as best as I possibly can. I'm imperfect. I'm not perfect. I want to be like Jesus when I'm a pastor, a leader, a worker. I want to be who God wants me to be, don't you? I want to be exactly who God wants me to be. So I'm listening and I'm praying. One thing that I, I kind of struggle with is, uh, is disciplining my kids. Not, not in the way that you might think. I, I have trouble like knowing, the, having the wisdom of God in the way that I discipline my kids. You know what I mean? Because, well, I can get angry. <laughs> but... Like, a kid needs discipline, amen. Oh, I need a louder amen. A kid needs discipline. I, I was beginning to wonder, you know, in the culture today, you never know. A kid needs discipline. But a kid also needs leniency, right? Let the kid be a kid. And let them learn by experience. So I have this kind of internal struggle or wrestling like with God. Like, God, how can, I, how can I be this disciplined parent? But how do I know and have the wisdom or discernment to know also when to let, let the kid be a kid, man. Let him jump off the coffee table once in a while. I don't have to yell at him. Every, right? Like, let him learn that he's going to hurt himself when he does that or something. And I say he because Dakota's perfect. She's perfect. No, but I wrestled with this. And one time I felt like I was, I was, you know, I was talking to the Lord and I felt like the Lord revealed to me this, like the full of grace and truth. Like it, and it's not even a balance. It's not even like, so I've disciplined so much and now I have to give like some leniency or it's been so much truth and now I have to give. No, 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 it doesn't. It's not one or the other. It's in everything that you do and the way that you approach it be full of grace and truth. That everything that you do in your life and the way that you treat your spouse and the way that you talk and you confront, because confrontation is good, and you have communication and everything like that, be full of grace and truth. Not just one or the other, not, not truth heavy, not grace heavy, and not even so much of balance. But we come and we bring grace and truth. This is awesome, because the more I studied it, again, the more I realized the two were inseparable, in the way you live, it's not choosing grace or choosing truth. It's always grace and truth. The gospel, the good news about Jesus is grace and truth. So the way we talk and act and walk and live should be by the power of the Spirit, full of grace and truth. Why don't you just think about this? I'm not going anywhere. This is where I am right now. I'm going to stay in this mode. Grace and truth. And this has application for every part of your life, including Facebook. Full of grace and truth. So what if we don't? What if we don't? Which at times, I gotta be honest, I have not. And when I was praying with the Lord, reading the Bible last Sunday morning before church at my house in my rocking chair, I was thinking about, because I knew I was going to be preaching this next Sunday, and the Lord revealed to me the importance of grace and truth, and that's what I felt like. And Pastor Tim opens his message, and remember how he opened his message about Saul of Tarsus, 
on his truth crusade. And so that gave me great confirmation and affirmation just to keep on chugging along. I was right where we had not talked or conversed or anything just to keep on going. But we can, if we're not careful, if we don't live and represent God according to grace and truth, we can look like Saul of Tarsus, who was on a truth crusade. A noble task, yeah. And, and for some of us, it's not like him. We're not killing Christians or we're not dragging them out of the synagogues. But at times we can, we can be like that all for the sake of our truth crusade. Is it wrong? Not necessarily, but wrong in the way you go about it. You know, you can write people all the way out the door. You can be truthful, you can be a winner of the conversation, and you can write people God loves and died for all the way out the door. Come on, somebody say amen. You can write your kids all the way out the door. You can be full of truth, man. You got nothing wrong about you, no speck wrong about you. And you can write people because you lack grace, you lack the, the fullness and the filling of Jesus to present God the right way. And we can write people all the way out the door. And if we do this, we hinder the message, limit the church, and walk in bondage and slavery. We don't walk in freedom. So we have that end of the spectrum. We have the, the truth. I will stand by the truth. I get it. It's a noble task. And, 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 and I don't, we've been there, man. You, you, you've been there at times and you feel like you want to lean this way. You feel like you want it, it, to, we're, we're, we're people of pendulum swinging, right? When this happens and, and then you get affected or something, you just swing all the way to the other side. We, we do that in the way that we view church. Church hurts us, so instead of, instead of just realizing that it's an imperfect person, we can swing all the way to the other side and say, I, I want to have nothing to do with that. And it's completely and utterly wrong and missing the whole point. And we have this side, we have truth, and we have this side of, of grace. And, and listen to me closely because... We are saved by grace alone. But we can be like some sects of the church today. And I said sex. I, I, I'm a Western Mariner, so I have a hard time saying that. S-E-C-T-S. Some of the <laughs> sects of the church today. So, so confused and wandering like the Israelites from Egypt wanting to go back to slavery even though God has set them free, missing the entire thing. Searching all in this world of grace and missing truth completely. Have we forgotten? Like Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? The Bible says in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the Come on, you can talk. I am the way and the, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So, with that said, grace is a beautiful thing. 
But grace with the absence of truth is not the grace of the Bible. Truth is a wonderful, beautiful thing. But truth with the absence of grace is not the truth of the Bible. We need grace and truth as a people like never before. This is the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we want to represent him well. I want to represent you well, Jesus. I really do, God. And I want us as a family to represent you well. At all costs, refuse to give in to the sway of the world and the enticement of the enemy to chase after things that might appear good, but they are not the best. They are not your things. When we chase after the truth in such a way that we miss the person of Jesus and the grace of Jesus, we can be led, as Paul writes, by the adversary and vice versa. Help us, Jesus, to find you and to be full of grace and truth. So let's look at these words individually. Grace. Grace, the importance of grace. Grace is our power. Write that down. Grace is our power. You take notes? I hope you do. Take notes. Grace is our power. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said, he's talking, you've heard this probably, that there was a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan coming to torment me. I asked God three times to take it away. But what was God's response? My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your inadequacy and you not measuring up and your falls, and your mistakes, and your failures, in your weakness. Oh, wow. Therefore, Paul writes, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Grace is so important because grace is where your power is. It's the unmerited, undeserved favor. Yes, it's the forgiveness of your sins, but it is the empowering presence in your life to overcome sin and to live above it. To raise up a standard. God's Spirit raises up a standard among us, but it's only by His grace, man. I'm telling you, you cannot do it. You cannot overcome that temptation, that sin. You cannot overcome the, the way and the sway of this world and the enemy without the grace of Jesus. It's your power. And then your tr truth, a lot of times we don't think of this when we think of truth. Truth is your freedom. Truth is your freedom. Jesus said in John 8, if you hold to my teaching... And follow me, you are really my disciples. Then you will know, same word as the intimate know, beyond your knowledge, you will know intimately and, and like a relationship, like I know my wife, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Isn't that awesome? The truth 
will set you free. So when you're sharing the gospel, don't be afraid to talk about the truth. We can share all that God loves you and all this, but if we miss the truth that the reason why you, you can have salvation in a relationship with him was because the nails in his hands, because of the life, the perfect life that he lived, he made himself as nothing, as a humble man and lived a perfect life that you couldn't live and, and poured his heart out on the cross. It was the nails in his hand. It was the spear in his side. It was the crown on his head. That's the truth of the gospel. And without it, we have limited freedom. We don't have the power either. Yeah, yeah. The truth, we need the truth. Sometimes we think truth is slavery. Sometimes we think if we don't have the connection with the vine and the spirit, we can think truth can bring bondage. So we're worried to share the truth. But the reality is people can't be set free unless we share the truth of the gospel. Thank you for your grace and your truth, Lord. Thank you. You are so perfect. God, if I was on the judgment seat, you wouldn't want to see it. You, would, you wouldn't want to see that. <laughs> Thank you that you're the one. Not anyone in this church. Not anyone on this church is the judge one. God, you see perfectly clearly. So help us to be filled with your spirit, full of grace and truth. Don't you want to walk in power and freedom? Don't you want to see the church walking in power and freedom? Come find Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Do what Jesus did. Don't just agree with a theory about him. We call that Christianity. Come and follow him. Be his disciple. Be his apprentice. You don't want to know what he's like? Got Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Read about the way that he was, the way that he talked, the way that he acted, who he reached out to, who he had relationships with, and ultimately who he confronted. What does grace and truth look like in the flesh? It looks like the red letters. And just for example, I will bring to your attention John 4, where Jesus sits with the woman at the well, right? Talking to this woman. And she's been with five men and the one she's with now is not her husband. She's had a tough season of life. And Jesus, the person, doesn't ignore that. He talks to her about the truth of her situation. But you see grace very clearly because he says, if you, would knew, if you knew who it is who was talking to you, you would have asked me, even though she was in that situation, Five men, the one she's with now isn't her husband. Probably don't want to be there. I probably don't want to be in that situation. But Jesus says, if you knew, if you knew who it was and who asked you for a drink, you would have asked me with freedom and I would have given you living water that you would never thirst again. Can you see it? The grace and the truth. It's not, it's not ignoring the, the honesty and the authenticity, the, the truth. It's Jesus is so mixed. And then in John 8, you see this when the religious people bring the woman caught in the act of adultery before Jesus. Man, caught in the act. 
And a lot of, I won't say us, I'll just say me. I could be like that religious person with that stone. Jesus, what, what should I do? Jesus, what should I do? How is, how is grace and truth gonna respond? The religious people bring the woman caught in the act. How is it they caught in the act? Oh, I don't know. Takes two to tango. <laughs> Brings this woman here. Should we stone her, Jesus? The law tells us to stone her. Moses told us to stone her. What's, what does grace and truth say? And Jesus speaks up in grace and truth. Says he who is out, without sin, right? Throw the first stone. Who throws the stone? And it says one by one, from oldest to youngest, they all drop their stones and walk away. And the only one able to throw the stone did not. <laughs> he could. He is without sin. He could throw the stone, but he did not. And the woman said, and the man comes, Jesus comes to her and says, who are the people that condemn you? Where are they? Where are your condemners? Nowhere, sir. Neither do I condemn you. What does he say? Go. Sin no more. Go. I'll give you grace. And that will give you the power to be free. Grace and truth. Grace and truth in the flesh. Grace and truth, guys, responds differently. There's a way to respond in the world and there's a way to respond even religiously. But Jesus, grace and truth, responds differently. And I know we want this. I know we want to act and respond like Jesus. But listen, it's easy to resist. And ultimately we continue to resist. Our flesh will always resist because it desires what's contrary to the spirit. So we will naturally resist. The enemy will always resist. And the system of the world will resist reform and renewal and revival. But we as the church are not committed to the quick fix. We are committed to the long haul. Immaturity is committed to the 30-day trial to get your abs. But somebody that's been through it long enough knows that that's not possible. <laughs> so as much as we love the short-term encounter with God that are beautiful and that we should chase after, as a church, we are committed in maturity to the long haul, to the, the generations, amen? True revival comes through commitment and obedience to the long-term call, not the short-term encounter. Someone needs to write that down. True revival comes through commitment and obedience to the long-term call, not the short-term encounter. So I'm almost done. How do we walk in the midst of constant opposition? You ever feel it? Constant opposition. You take the, 
the political spectrum, you take life and the confusion out there, you take social media, you take your school, you take everything that, that we're going out to in the world. And I look at my kids coming up to it and I'm like, holy, holy moly, for a lack of a better, better words, you know, better expression. What do we do in the midst of constant opposition? And here's what I believe. We walk in humility and the fear of the Lord. Humility and the fear of the Lord. They're kind of one and the same. Humility comes from the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord brings humility. Humility comes from the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord brings humility. Psalms 25 verse 9 says, because we're wondering, how do, we, how do we walk? How do we navigate in the midst of the world that's not full of grace and truth? He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. And then Proverbs 9, 10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we need great wisdom to navigate the seas that are ahead. We need great, I, I'm, listen, I believe the best is yet to come, but I don't necessarily believe the easiest is yet to come. And so we need great wisdom. I believe the outpouring of the spirit, that the Lord is gonna reveal things to his people like never before, that God is gonna raise up a generation of people old and young the same, that will hear the voice of the Lord and that will come together in humility and unity, all for the King's glory. And we will welcome the King to have his way in, in, in our realm, in this world on the earth. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, Lord God. So help us as your people, gifted, talented, blessed, set apart, whole, unique, to stand in the humility of the Lord, the humility and walk in the fear of the Lord. John Bevere says the fear of the Lord is not so much being afraid of God as it is being afraid to be absent of God, to fear being away from his presence. Fear of the Lord and humility. God, we want to be like you. Jesus, we want to be like you. All right, let's turn back to Ephesians and we're almost done. The Lord's speaking to you today. Say amen. 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 I believe it. This is uh, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. This is... All right, as a, yep, all right. We there, say yep. Yeah, good. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Does he say here? Slow. Sometimes, sometimes we read the Bible too fast. Don't let it do its work. Be completely humble 
Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. And bear with one another in love. Don't be so quick to write people off. Don't be so quick to just just give a cold shoulder. Don't be so, bear with one another in love. We're doing growth track on Wednesday nights and this is the last one. We're really excited about it. If you haven't been a part, man, uh, register for March. March 2nd is when we do our next one. But we want individually people to grow and we want the church to grow and we want people to be able to serve and have opportunities. But what you gotta know is that there will be some people that do some (laughs) things to you that you wish they didn't do. Even in the midst that we're wanting to charge the mountain, we're all excited, everybody's in this together and it feels united and it feels beautiful. Just, there's gonna be some things that happen that like you wish didn't happen. But the Bible tells us to bear with one another. Bear with one another. I just wanna leave that out there so that the, the enemy can't come and fill in the blanks with you People didn't say hi to you, this didn't happen, or you you had these expectations, or you were anticipating this, and this didn't happen. Listen, we're all on a journey, and we all want to grow, so bear with one another in love. Amen? Amen. Bear with one another. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Well, God, I made two efforts. God, I made three Make every effort. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Listen, God is here. You want to be filled to the fullness of God? God is right here. Emmanuel, God with us. Andrew Murray says this, and then the band can come. The disciples after Christ's ascension never for a moment regretted his bodily absence. They had him with them and in them in the divine power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3 to finish, to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Can you stand? And I'm gonna ask my beautiful bride to come up here. (laughs) As I was finishing my message, The other day, the Lord brought to my attention something, and this might be kind of goofy, but I I believe that it will do its job. So, I don't know what that is. (laughs) Cookies? Um, My my 37-week pregnant wife is beautiful, isn't she? She's perfect. All baby. So I had this, why don't you hold this, dear? This is Duke's. 
You see it? It's a shark, kind of half shark. So one time I was in the kitchen and a little buddy, we have, we have a water dispenser and he, he held this up like this, putting it in. Like <laughs> and it just kept, kept coming down through. There's holes in it. I was like, oh buddy, you need a, you need a new cup. <laughs> buddy, you need a new cup. And uh, you know, I felt like the, the Lord revealed to me like, what, you know, what are you full of? I asked that question. But I, I didn't even have this in my message at all. But I felt like the Lord, there's people here today, this morning, that you say, that sounds great, sounds beautiful, sounds awesome to be full of God. But listen, I am so empty. I am so empty. And I come in and I, and I try to fill up. I try, to, I try to fill up all that I can, you know? <laughs> I, I, I try as best as I can and even to, even to stop it, even to stop it, but I'm just, I'm so broken and so empty. It has so much pain and uh, I can't seem to fill up. Like, like I literally, I, I can't, like I'm trying to take God in I'm trying to believe God. I'm trying to, to trust him to heal me and to make it new and to make it whole. But I can't, Dustin. And I want to be full because I want to inspire and I want to influence people and I want to have a life of purpose and be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. But here I am and I just feel like the Lord wants to come to you today. And just say, trade it. Like, trade it. The, the old can go and let the new come today. The scripture actually says that he can take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh again. A heart that can fill and keep on filling. Come on, somebody. And keep on filling. And keep on filling so much so. So much so that the other cups around you can get a dose of the blessing and the filling of the Lord. So don't try to heal it on your own. Don't try to fill it and stop the bleeding on your own. Trade it for something new. Amen. Can we give God praise? Hallelujah. Let's sing to him. Amen.